0: Welcome to Abergavenny Baptist Church. Great. Well, our Bible reading is from James chapter 5 and verses 13 to 18. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them. And anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Well, we've we've been looking at the Lord's Prayer, doing a series through the Lord's Prayer, but technically we've come to an end of that series where we're looking at the Lord's Prayer line by line. Uh, but at, as we've come to the end, I thought it would be good to look at a at a theology of prayer. And we started looking at a theology of prayer last week, and we're going to continue today. And so last week we looked at at the question, why does God not always answer our prayers? Or at least, why does God not always answer our prayers the way we would like? And last week, we looked at that question, and we saw that, that that's not always because of the will of God, the mysterious will of God, but it's because there are a multitude of other variables at play that we simply can't comprehend. So what are those variables? Well, we looked at three big categories. Firstly, the, the complexities with creation. Secondly, the complexities with free will. And then thirdly, the complexities within prayer itself. Now, last week, we looked at the complexities within creation and the complexities with free will. So today, we're going to be focusing on the complexities within prayer itself, the the, the variables within prayer itself. Now, while prayer is as simple as talking to a friend, the actual mechanics of prayer are extremely complex. And the Bible hints at a number of variables that influence the effectiveness of of our prayer. So what are the variables of prayer? Well, firstly, God's will. Now, most people assume this is the only variable. And that if our prayers aren't answered, it must be because it, it was against God's will uh, that God didn't want to answer our prayer. But God's will is not the only variable. It's not the only explanation about why God sometimes doesn't answer our prayers in the way we would like, but it is the most basic variable. We read in 1 John chapter 5, and verse 14, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. So quite obviously, if we ask God to do something that goes against His will, He's not going to grant that request. That's why James, in James chapter 4 and verse 3, says, when you ask you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. So when we ask with wrong motives, when we ask for greedy and selfish things, or if we ask for something that goes against the will of God, God's not going to grant that request. You see, the essence of prayer is aligning our will with the will of God. Jesus, when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, just before he's arrested and crucified, he, he prays in, in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 39, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And God, in his infinite wisdom, knew that it was not possible, that there was no other way to bring about salvation, to save the world. It was not possible. And therefore, this is the will of God. And so God says, no, it's not possible. And so our requests will only be granted if our requests are in line with the will of God. Of course, this is not the only variable. So we shouldn't be thinking every time a prayer is not not answered, it, it must be because God didn't will it. As we see, there are many other variables, but this is a very basic variable. We also see this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 7 to 9. Paul writes, Therefore, in order to keep me from being conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Okay, so Paul's got this thorn in the flesh. That's a reference to some kind of physical illness or a physical disability. And so he prays to God three times to remove this thorn. But God, in his infinite wisdom, says, no, my grace is sufficient for you. Now, it's not that God... Intended for Paul to suffer? Were we told that the thorn was a messenger from Satan? Satan intended to bring about the suffering. But God in his infinite wisdom knew that in this particular situation, it would be more beneficial, it would be better for Paul if he didn't remove the thorn because Paul was struggling with pride. And this would keep Paul humble. As Paul says himself, in order to keep me from being conceited. So this isn't God's ideal will. But in this particular situation, it is God's will. Because God, in his infinite wisdom, knows that this will bring about the greatest good, in this particular situation, in this non-ideal situation. But of course, we, we can never know that. Paul only knows that because God has revealed it to him. Normally, we have no idea of knowing that, knowing what the reason is. And so we simply have to trust God in his infinite wisdom. Now, nor should we assume that every time our prayers aren't answered, that it's because God doesn't will it. Because there are too many other variables at play, as we will see. So, a second variable is an environment of faith. An environment of faith. Now, Jesus, He, he went wherever He went. He performed miracles and he healed people. Wherever he went, there was healings and miracles, except when he went to his hometown. We read in Mark chapter 6 and verses 5 and 6, he could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few people who were ill and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Jesus could not do. He, he was unable to do. Wow. I mean, think about it. The Son of God himself is unable to do. He, he can't do. Okay, it's qualified. Uh, you know, it says, except lay his hands on a few people who are ill and heal them, which is pretty remarkable for us. But but still, nevertheless, it says he was unable. He could not do. Why? Why? because of their lack of faith. Because in his hometown, there was this environment of unbelief. And what we discover over here is one of the decisive variables in prayer is faith. That's why so often when Jesus has healed someone, he says to them, your faith has made you well. Now, of course, many not many, some Christians have abused this principle of faith, like the the word faith movement, and they've kind of said to anyone who's not healed, ah, that's because you lack faith. The reason you haven't been healed uh, has got nothing to do with me or my faith or my prayer. It's got to do with you and your lack of faith, which, of course, is just unloving. In fact, it's cruel. But more than that, it's inaccurate, Because you can never know with certain what the reason is why the person wasn't healed or was healed because, as we've seen, there are too many variables at play for us to ever know that. And more so, Jesus is talking more about an environment of unbelief rather than he's talking about one particular person's lack of faith. Uh, We see this again when the, the, the disciples... Uh, are, are trying to cast some demons out of this little boy, but they're unable to cast the demons out. And so in Mark chapter 9 and, and, and verse 19, Jesus says, you unbelieving generation. He doesn't say, oh no, this little boy doesn't have enough faith. No, he says, you unbelieving generation. It's the lack of faith of the disciples and the boy's father and the crowd. It's got absolutely nothing to do with the little boy. Again, when you have these guys, they make a hole in the roof so they can lower their, their paralyzed friend into this overcrowded room, so Jesus can heal them. We read in Mark chapter two in verse five, when Jesus saw their faith, not the paralyzed guy's faith, but his friend's faith. When he saw their faith, he was able to forgive the guy and heal him. And so what we, we discover from all these examples, it's, it's got more to do with the, pers- the faith of the person praying than it's got to do with the, the person who's been prayed for. And in fact, it's got more to do with an environment of faith than it's got to do with a particular individual's faith. That's why we hear far more testimonies of healings and miracles and answer to, answers to prayer in Africa in Asia and Latin America than we do in the West. You know, people will go on a mission trip to Africa or somewhere else and they will experience miracles and healings and then they will come back home and they won't experience any miracles or healings. They haven't changed. Their faith hasn't changed. But their environment has. You see, the West is an environment of unbelief. In the West, there's a, we live in a cultural context that is extremely secular and materialistic. In, in the West, we live in a culture that has conditioned us to be skeptical and cynical. It has conditioned us to have a lack of faith. And we should never underestimate the power of culture. Even within the church, within the West, we've come up with theologies that say that that God doesn't heal anymore. And it was just for the early church. I was listening to some of these guys who have a, a healing ministry. And they were saying they get far better results out on the street than they do in the church. I think Jesus would be amazed at our lack of faith. And so if we want to increase the effectiveness of our prayer, then we need to increase our own personal faith and increase the, the faith of the, the environment that we're inhabiting. Because what we discover over here is that faith is a variable within prayer. It's not the only variable, but it is a variable. Now, of course, Jesus says we just need faith the size of a mustard seed. But we do need faith. Thirdly, we need to be persistent in prayer. Spiritual work is just like physical work. And sometimes in physical work, you need to be persistent at a task in order to get the results. And sometimes in spiritual work, you need to be persistent in order to see results. In Luke chapter 11 and verse 10, Jesus says, For everyone who asks, and the the Greek verb is in the continuous sense, it implies continues asking, asks and continues asking receives. The one who seeks, that's continues to seek, finds. And the one who knocks, who continues to knock, the door will be opened. The more persistent we are in prayer, the more effective our prayers will be. And in Luke chapter 18, Jesus tells this parable of this unjust judge and this persistent widow who keeps coming to him day after day, begging and pleading for justice And eventually in Luke chapter 18 and verse 5, the unjust says, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice. So eventually he just gives in and gives her what what she wants. Her persistence pays off. Now Jesus is not liking God to this unjust judge who needs his arm twisted. Jesus is not giving us a teaching about the nature of God. This parable is all about prayer. And essentially, the point of this parable is that we need to pray with persistence, like someone who is desperate to get something. Because the more persistent we are in our prayers, the more effective our prayers are. Now, of course, this doesn't mean any time that our prayers aren't answered that, that oh oh that means I must have not have been persistent enough. Oh oh, I, I must have not have prayed hard enough. Because we can never know that there are too many other variables at play. But when something is on your heart, be persistent in prayer. Because that persistency may be the decisive factor, the decisive variable in the outcome of that prayer. Fourthly, the number of people praying. Now, instinctively, we do this. There's a crisis, and what do we do? We call a prayer meeting. We gather people to come and pray. Or we send a, a prayer request out on a prayer chain, be that an email or a WhatsApp group or, or whatever. But we intuitively know that the more people that are praying, the more effective that prayer is going to be. And, and when we see, and again, I mean, one thing you see this again in the physical realm. With physical work, sometimes in the physical task, you need more people to help to get their tasks done. Sometimes in the spiritual realm, we also need more people helping so we can get the results that we, we desire. And we see Jesus doing this. He's constantly asking his disciples to come and pray with him. We see this in the Garden of Gethsemane. He asks his disciples to come and pray with him. And in the book of Acts, we continually see the disciples and the early Christians gathering together and praying together. In Acts chapter 4, for example, when they face persecution, what do they do? They call a prayer meeting. They all gather together and pray together. Because when more people are praying, it's more effective. Paul, in all his letters, is constantly asking the people in the churches to pray for him. We see this in Colossians chapter 4 and verses 3 to 4. He says, And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it it clearly as I should. He's constantly asking for people to pray for him and to pray for his ministry. Kind of like we send our prayer, uh, our missionaries send our prayer emails for us to pray. The more people that are praying, the more effective Our prayers are. We see this again in James chapter 5 and verses 13 to 14. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of of praise. Is anyone among you ill? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. It seems that if you're ill, one person praying is not enough. You need to call the elders, plural, all the leaders, get them to come around and get more people praying for you. So the more people that are praying, the more effective our prayers seem to be. And then, fifthly, the presence of sin. In one Peter chapter three and verse seven, Peter writes, "Husbands, in the same way be considerate of your, be, in the same way be considerate as you live with your wives, and treat them with respect as the weaker partner, and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life, so that." nothing will hinder your prayers. Paul is warning husbands to treat their wives with respect so that nothing will hinder their prayers. Sin, unconfessed sin in your life, will hinder your prayers. That's why James, in James chapter 5 and verse 16, says, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Unconfessed sin in one's life affects our ability to communicate with God effectively. It's like a a, a clog in a pipe. It affects the the flow of power in our prayer. Now, of course, we need balance. Uh, Everyone has sin in their life. And so we can't simply conclude every time our prayer is not answered, oh, it must be because I've got some unconfessed sin in our life. But let's do all we can to ensure that we don't have unconfessed sin in our life so that our prayers can be more effective. And there are many other variables such as laying on of hands, anointing a person with oil, fasting while praying. Why do we have all these variables in prayer? Well, on the one hand, it's a bit of a mystery. We don't really know why. But on the other hand, we know it's got something to do with the way our prayers intersect with the spiritual realm. And that leads us to our sixth variable, which is the free will of spiritual beings. It's not only humans that have free will, but there are spiritual beings that also have a free will. They refer to as angels or demons or gods or powers, principalities, forces within the Bible. And these spiritual beings have free will. And when humans and spiritual beings align their world with the will of God, things go smoothly. But so often humans and spiritual beings oppose the will of God and resist the will of God. In fact, we're told that the world has been ruled by evil spiritual forces. In 1 John chapter five and verse 19, it says, "We know that the whole world is under the control of the evil one." that's the devil, that's Satan, that's evil spiritual forces. But we don't really know much about the activity of these spiritual beings. I mean, we don't know how much free will they've got, how, who they are, how many of them they are, where they are, or how they operate. So there's a lot we don't know about them. We, In fact, we know next to nothing about them. But what we do know is that there is a spiritual realm and that there are evil spiritual powers and forces that often resist the will of God and hinder our prayers. You ever wondered why there's so much evil in the world? Have you ever felt that you're under a spiritual attack? You know, All of a sudden, everything seems to be going wrong, one thing after the other, just at the time that you're about to step out and do something for God. So another variable within prayer is the free will of spiritual beings. And we kind of see this, an example, we get a glimpse of this in Mark chapter 5, where Jesus confronts a guy who is demonized, he's got demons. And so Jesus, as soon as he meets this guy, commands the demons to come out. But they don't come out, they don't obey. They resist the command of Jesus, Well at least initially they do. And so we read in Mark chapter 5 in verse 9, and then Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And it seems that, that these demons were able to resist Jesus' command, resist prayer, because they were many. They seemed to have strength in numbers, power in numbers. And so Jesus asked what is your name? Which is something he's never done on any other occasion. And it's as if he's trying to inquire, investigate the source of their strength. And as soon as he acquires that knowledge, he's able to deal with them. But what we discover over here is that evil spiritual forces are able to hinder our prayer, and they seem to have strength in numbers. If there are more of them, they're going to require more prayer, more faith in prayer, more persistency in prayer, more people praying. Now, sometimes when God doesn't answer our prayers the way we would like, we naturally assume this must be God's will, or it must be because of our lack of faith, or we'll say something, well, this clearly is not God's timing. God's timing will be perfect. And of course, there's an element of truth in all of that, but they are as an oversimplification because it doesn't take into account the reality of the spiritual realm. The reason why God may not have answered your prayer may have nothing to do with His will or His timing or your lack of faith. It might be because there's a resistance by evil spiritual forces. Now, of course, we don't have to be afraid of these evil spiritual forces. We know that they have been decisively defeated on the cross and they will be ultimately defeated when Jesus returns. And so as 1 John chapter 4 and verse 4 says, You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. In other words, the Holy Spirit who is in us is greater than the evil spiritual powers that are in the world. So we don't have to fear them, but nevertheless, they are a variable that can affect and influence the outcome of our prayers. So we can never know for sure why God has not answered our prayers in this particular instance, because there's simply too many other variables at play, one of which could be that there are evil spiritual forces resisting it. And so when I look at all the variables of prayer, plus if we look at all the complexities within creation, all the complexities with free will, and all the variables within prayer, we soon come to realize that we'll never be able to understand why God hasn't answered our prayers in this particular instance, in this particular circumstance, because there are simply too many variables at play for us to comprehend. But nevertheless, we can have the confidence that God is still working out His plans. That that through all these variables and through all these complexities within creation, the complexities within free will and all these variables, God is working out His purposes and His plans for the good. God is still in control. And when I look at all these variables of prayer, it encourages me to pray. Pray. Knowing that our prayers will always make a difference. Even when our prayers aren't answered the way we would like them to be answered, we can still know that our prayer has made a difference in the spiritual realm. Our prayer has made a difference for the kingdom of God. And so when I look at all these variables of prayer, it encourages me to pray more, it encourages me to pray more effectively to pray with more faith, to pray more persistently, to pray with more people. It encourages me to pray. And I hope it encourages you to pray more. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, when we come to pray and we come just to talking to you, Father, we confess it's a mystery to us how, how prayer works. But Father, we thank you for the privilege that we can always come before you in prayer. And that although it's so complex and we don't understand it, it's a mystery, it's still just as simple as coming to our, our Father and talking. And Father, we thank you for that privilege. And Father, we thank you that our prayer does always make a difference Even when we we might not get the answer that we were hoping for, we know that it still makes a difference for your kingdom. So, Father, I pray that you would stir within us a real heart and a passion for prayer, that we would be people of prayer, that we would be praying constantly and persistently. Father, won't you increase our prayer like that guy who says, I have faith, give me more faith. Father, won't you increase our faith? And Father, won't you help us to to be the people of prayer that you want us to be? And that even when we're faced with all this uncertainty and and we're not sure how things are working out or why things are happening, also help us to have the confidence of knowing that, that you're in control and help us to put our trust in your infinite wisdom and to keep on praying. We ask us all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about Abergavenny Baptist Church, please visit our website at UK